Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Phase Zero bonus episode number 10. Surprise, BD here. And I'm joined right now by Adam Barnhart, who put together something really special for the Phase Zero community. Adam, tell us what BD. you did. So one of my favorite characters in the entire Marvel mythos. Uh, I've talked on Phase Zero before how I love the Marvel horror characters. And um, at the top of that list is Man-Thing. Um, little known fact, Marvel made a man thing movie once upon a time, believe it or not, when he joins the MCU, it won't technically be his live action debut. Uh, Sci-fi made a movie back in 2005 with Marvel, Marvel studios, the then Marvel studios. Um, and they released it as a sci-fi original direct to uh, TV movie. So what we did, um, I think the whole entire budget for the movie was uh, Brett told me like $7 million, I think. Which I mean, Joker was made for what fifty million, um, eh, whatever. So what we did, Lionsgate did not pay for a director's commentary on the home media release. You buy the DVD or whatever of Man Thing from two thousand five, and you put it in, and it just starts playing. There's I don't even think there's deleted scenes or anything. So what we did is sat down with Brett Leonard. He directed the movie, and we made a director's commentary track watching i think it was his first time watching it since it was released so uh 17 years later he uh revisited the thing and uh dropped all sorts of cool tidbits i think there's uh a couple kevin feige uh easter eggs in there because he did work on it um but yeah there's all sorts of little cool snippets and tidbits and treats for uh anything hopefully people i I don't. I've talked to zero people that have actually seen the movie. I watched it a while ago, and then uh, then a couple times leading up to this. So hopefully, people go out and watch it and realize that. I mean, it's a, it's far from uh, what we get today. You know, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, or virtually anything. You know, Star Wars on Disney Plus. Uh, but the, I mean, it's uh, they use practical effects well. And, and there's a lot of cool uh, filmmaking going on. So at that point, yeah. no, I mean, it, it's not any worse than Morbius, you know. Oh, <laughs> well, with that being said, now is the time to fire up your man thing DVD or digital download or streaming wherever you have it. Get it ready because we're about to press play. Adam, before we press play, I, I want to hear from you, man. I know you're best friends with Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio, so I know how you get them on the shows. How'd you pull? How'd you put this together? 
how did I put the, I sent him an email. I found his, I found Brett's email. I shot him an email and he responded real quick. I said, yeah, let's, let's do something. We worked, I tried doing something much larger and getting the writer in, but the writer's still busy. I think he's partners with um, Adam Goldberg now. So he, he was busy and they're doing the Goldbergs or I think they're doing a new uh, Marvel comic or something. I don't know. They're too busy to join in, but Brett said yes. And, uh, we we hopped on a Zoom and that's all it took is it is an email that's a it. couple emails and uh, and a little hail mary prayer and and it worked and there it is and everybody's about to hear it well Adam awesome work dude and everybody at home right now listening go ahead and uh, press play on your man thing I'm going to count you down and then the, the commentary track is going to start right when the movie starts so make sure you're teed up ready to go pause us if you have to start us again in a moment if you have to because the man thing the first ever commentary track with director Brett Leonard and the legendary Adam Barnhart himself starts in five, four, three, two, one. Press play. Right on the Marvel Comics flipping logo. That's familiar. So, Quite familiar. Yeah, this is one of the first times this ever appeared uh, in a movie. It was they had they'd done it a little bit, but it was it was you know very new in the whole Marvel of it all. And I was you know a big Marvel fan, so this was. Right here, a, a shot that was done in an actual swampy area outside of Sydney, Australia. Okay. Um, there was both, and that is a built swamp. We built a swamp with over 450 artificial trees, banyan trees, swamp okay. vegetation, and it was a giant tank that was welded together in the old, one of the old Olympic warehouses outside of Sydney in a place called Homebush. And uh, so this was all, uh, I was able to use a super techno crane on all of these shots that it, they fit into aspects of the set. Because the set was all a tank with water in it. So, you know, you had to like be able to float over that water uh, in order to do shots like this. Gotcha. And so the things I'm proud of in the film are the look of the swamp, the, the stylized comic book look, actually. This is a a very stylized comic bookish, uh, you know, oil drilling platform in the middle of the swamp because there's an entire ecological theme that's going on in the film. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this was, you know, themes that were designed as part of the origin story of the man thing. Um, and there was this, you know, want to create a kind of ecological uh, cautionary tale and for me, the Man-Thing creature was the hero. Um, that's, that was my conception. Uh, a lot of these uh, interesting bits of uh, flowing oil and those, those things in, the, in the, the visual montage there, that was, some of that was shot by Brendan Fletcher, who also got a production credit on the film. Uh, he was one of my second unit directors. He was the second unit director. Um, did a great job on a lot of little, little uh, pieces that were used in the film. And uh, this is all location work in a swampy area near Sydney. Right, right, right. Um, then, very, yeah. very few good things happen after dark in a swamp, right? No. Yeah, the swamp is, <laughs> and that's James Coyne, who actually, and then with Imogen Bailey, who was uh, both an actress and a, an Australian singer. And James Coyne was one of the uh, people that actually was part of the production. He... Uh, he wrote a lot of uh, pieces of this. 
uh, although the story of the script is the cautionary tale part of a man thing. I'm very proud of a lot of pieces of this film, the visual uh, aspect, the creature, which we'll get into as we get, you know, watch the film, but uh, the script got very, very, very watered down to say the least. Um, and it went through a process that like, I understand. It's not like it was anyone's you know, real fault, but um, the Hulk came out a bit before we started shooting this, the first right. Hulk by Ang Lee. And that Hulk was a troubled production. It was troubled from a budgetary standpoint. It also was troubled from its critical and commercial response. Mm -hmm. And uh, that upset the powers that be uh, at Marvel quite a bit. And there was a bit of a father-son backstory that we had worked into the Man-Thing origin story hmm. that kind of, in Marvel's view, kind of mirrored too much what they had what they thought was not successful as a, ba a father-son backstory in, uh, in the Hulk, right. that first piece. And it really had nothing to do with it. Here's one of, uh, you know, some visual eye candy. Mm -hmm. Probably the only um, yeah. sex scene in MCU. Well, Eternals just had a yeah. sex scene, but this yeah. is... Yeah, but there's the full-on, uh, we've got, you know, this is because this was an independent film that had, you know, foreign sales components to it. You needed to have the TNA in there. You know, you literally, I don't know if you know, but when you, when you sell an independent film, like to the German market, they, they ask how many, how many T hit shots are there? Uh, I mean, that still is something that happens, uh, was more prevalent in this era. But um, so uh, the script that came out of this process of sort of not wanting it to have the same origin story we had developed Oops. That's a brutal shot, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely brutal. Let's set the tone right off yeah. the bat. Yeah, yeah. It was, there was, this was definitely, a, you know, a horror mm -hmm. cult t title, you know, and, okay. and I felt that. And then, you know, have got these interesting little digital effects pieces here. Now, this is Matt Lenevez. Uh, one of the interesting things that I was able to do with this, because it was a lower budget Marvel picture where they kind of let me go to Australia to make a low budget Marvel movie, mm. something that wouldn't happen now. Um, but uh, I was able to hire a fairly new cast. I was, I was trying to find, uh, you know, new people. And of course I had had success with another Australian in my film virtuosity, mm -hmm. uh, Russell Crowe, who by the way is linked to the fact that I went to Australia to make this movie. Everything here is a, is a river, uh, a river in a swampy area outside of Sydney is also an industrial area. And all of the character actors in this are Australian. Most of the even main actors are Australian. Um, and uh, Matt Lenevez was not a known name at that time. He's gone on to win numerous Australian film awards and a very, very, you know, skilled actor. Uh, but we originally had written his part for as a kind of sensitive young guy who has this really interesting spiritual backstory related to, uh, related to his father that became part of the man things origin story that all got eradicated and it became more like a Clint Eastwood type um, sheriff coming into town, you know, but it never fully fit the casting the new, I had already cast the movie on a different script and the script got changed at the last minute, basically. Mm. So some of the, now this is uh, Alex Laughlin, 
who has gone on to be the lead in you know Hawaii Five O now for the past over ten years, probably. Um, so very very successful television actor. This is his first film right here, um, and then I put him in a film called Feed that I did in Australia as well, which is a very disturbing, uh, very disturbing uh, psychological sex, sexual psychological thriller. Um, and uh, you know I thought he really showed great promise in this film, and he's gone on to you know get a, have a great career. So we were trying to, you know, start with new people. And that was something that's rare that you get a chance to do. Although the way the script changed didn't fully match the casting right. uh, that we had. But, uh, you know, all of this was to create the feeling that we were in the bayou area of the United States shooting in Australia. So everything is a little stylized. It's kind of like a skew Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and the, and of course, there's the artificial swamp, which gives it even a greater, a greater level of stylization, and that for me is one of the strengths of the movie. I think I think the 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 thing I'm most you know the way the coverage is here, the the the, the visual components of the film are something I'm very I'm very happy with, um, even though I'm not as happy with where the script went. <laughs> right. No, and that's right. It's visually. Strike out. I mean, every yeah. time you're in the swamp, it's just pure yeah. green. Yeah, and then and people like, responded well to this the, the creature when it first was was out, and there was even in test screenings they responded well to the creature. But you know, we'll talk more about the story points as we go along, and uh, especially some of the ones that I feel don't really you know track I as much. Think we just went past it though. But one of the missing persons is Stanley. Yeah. Stanley, right? Stan that is his, that is his cameo in Man Thing. It's a picture on a wall because, again, we were sent, we went to Australia to make this. And, you know, I just want to, you know, talk about Scott Carroll, the producer who came to Australia with me, really took care of me in Australia, took care of getting everything set up to make the movie. Um, uh, you know, and, you know, James Coyne actually at that time was his, uh, the guy I talked about. And here's me. Here's my yeah, superstar cameo. alert. Here's my yeah. cameo. Uh, as the coroner, and uh, I had a lot of fun with this. Um, I actually started as an actor on the stage uh, in my career, and so went very quickly to directing. But I've always loved performing. These uh, and, prosthetics, the, this makeup is just unreal. Yeah, we 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 had a very 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 skilled prosthetics team. Uh, a lot of you know a lot of the people that did the Matrix team, you know, were, were part of this and. Um, and, uh, so we did a lot of very interesting creature prosthetic work in this that was very physical and there was only a small hybrid digital component to it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for some of the creature stuff. Um, you know, I think, uh, we can't, I'm not hearing the audio here, but, uh, all of us are doing Southern accents and mm-hmm. varying degrees of success. Yes. Uh, but uh, this was, uh, this was, uh, you know, again, making a movie about the American South and Australia. So you've got, again, this kind of little skewed uh, part of reality. Mm-hmm. Close up shot of that gnarly. Yeah, prosthetics sir. And then this was, you know, this was a real location, uh, a refinery outside of Sydney and uh, the whole schist, um, okay backstory which is uh the character that's played by jack thompson who'll be showing up fairly soon um the guy with megaphone there that's jack thompson's son patrick thompson who went on to star in my film feed um so this was a that same right there this was a this was a kind of 
cadre, a, a troupe of Australian actors that I was living around for five years. I lived in Australia and became involved with, you know, starting with Man-Thing mm-hmm. and then uh, continuing on through Feed and uh, just my time there. So th- they were like family to me. All of these people became family because I was living a kind of second adolescence in uh, Australia at the time. You know, it was, oh. it, it, you go down to Australia. I went there to make this film and I stayed for five years. <laughs> Uh, you, you know, ended up marrying an Australian. I mean, there's all kinds of mm-hmm. backstories here, but uh, it was uh, it was a great place to be. And there's Rachel Taylor. Yeah. So this is her film debut, uh, and she's uh, you know she's from t- uh, Tasmania, uh, and she went on to have you know a career. She was one of the leads in the first Transformers film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was in others of the, as that as well, and then did a number of. A number of different uh, independent films and studio films alike. She's you know had a full career. Came out of this film, so she was new as well. So I, you know one of the things I'm proud of is I like to try, and you know give new talent a shot. You know and and that's always you know it risky because you don't have big names. There's no big names in this film. The biggest name in this film is Jack Thompson, who is a very you know cult like figure in terms of a Australian character actor. Uh, he really actually was the first Mel Gibson. Um, we'll, so we'll talk about Jack when he gets on, because Jack is an amazing actor with an incredible background. Um, big names. You went yeah. to Australia with Russell Crowe. Did you ever have any talks with him about well, this? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I went there because Russell got me there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just to, to visit. And that's, and like I said, I kind of, you say, yeah, I went there for a two week visit and I stayed for five yeah. years and I made two films. Um, and Russell was the reason for that. And Russell actually introduced me to Jack Thompson because Jack Thompson was Russell's kind of spiritual mentor okay. uh, through his development as an actor. Um, there's all kinds of stories about Russell. And look, Rachel has such a great look. I mean, yeah. she's got just striking green eyes. And this is Jack. This there is Jack Thompson. With his here. <laughs> yeah, I like that shot. Um, and, you know, he's a very powerful, powerful actor he was uh, a leading man for many years did many television series he was in breaker morant and won the con best actor award in uh, in at can in the can film festival for breaker morant which is bruce beardsford an australian director so i got very involved in australiana when i was there because jack was a very very central figure to australia cinema history uh many a great film called wake and fright that Ted Kotchoff did way before he did First Blood, um, and uh, a number of amazing films, uh, Sunday Too Far Away, incredible films that Jack was in, uh, all the way through, he's, you know, he's in current films, current Baz Luhrmann films, he's in The Gatsby, he's in, uh, he was in Australia, the film by Baz Luhrmann. Um, so, you know, he's, uh, he, he had a great time playing the villain in this, a Southern villain, because Jack knew how to do a Southern accent. <laughs> he was he was coaching everybody else all the younger actors um and uh he uh you know for me i'm really really proud that i was able to work with him and he became a very good friend my bet one of my best mates as he would say in australian terms um and uh his son became very close as well and so we had uh we had a lot of fun this is the first time him and his son ever got to act together nice uh, on screen and then they did it again in feed um, so again, there was a whole kind of Australia family affair thing going on with this movie that made it a lot of fun to shoot. It was a lot of fun to shoot. Again, the, the only negative was that 
all of us felt the script had gotten weakened from what it was that we were originally developing and with the draft that James Coyne was writing and, and Scott Carroll was uh, supervising as a producer, uh, we thought we had a stronger piece than what eventually got made uh, script-wise. So there was, you know, there, and there was, some, there was some criticism to the story, uh, and I think that's rightfully so. Um, you know, one of the things I learned here is that you got to fight for script before you fight for anything else. But these kinds of, you know, I love these, these, uh, these sort of, you know, strange mystical mm-hmm. uh, montage sequences right. that we were trying to, you know, basically express the, you know, the, the spirit of the swamp, the, the, the mystical energy that takes place in these natural places that have a very primal core to them. And uh, that aspect of the film, I think, is there. I think that that, that does get expressed. It gets expressed through the creature. Um, as, we, as we go on, I'll tell you a bit about one of the biggest, biggest story issues is where this whole goes as a story uh, for the ending, which is related to these two characters right here um, and how it ends. Uh, and I'll tell you what my, our original ending was, um, which was much different than what ended up, it ended up being. Uh, but uh, this was, uh, again, you know, two young actors that were very new and uh, I think, you know, had a great, you know, one thing about the Australians, the Australians, they, they, they all have a great look. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. they just, they all, you know, were very strong cinematic presence. And if you look at all the, you know, the Edgertons and all the people that are coming out of Australia all the time, you know, it was, it was a rich field of, of actors to play in. Um, and, uh, both of these have gone on to do really interesting work. Um, and, you know, this was kind of where they began that journey uh, on this genre movie about a swamp creature, you know? Yeah. So, uh, which we were, you know, we were taking seriously. We were, we were, you know, we were looking at it as a, a tale, an ecological cautionary tale. That aspect of the, of the script did get, you know, get kept in. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, one of the things I'll give as a clue to where I wanted it to go for me the hero of the piece is man thing. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and you, and so my ending was more, more man thing centric. Let's put it that way. Mm. So all of these things were uh, signage we had to create. We had to create the feeling again of the American South. We had to find locations. Again, mostly we're basing out of the Sydney area, just outside of Sydney. We could travel to fairly quickly. Uh, this felt like a Louisiana type bayou, you know, backwater. And, you know, it, it, it does relate, it does track to that. You know, there's some, there's some vegetation around that if you really look, you'll, you'll know eh, something's off here. This is an Antipodean uh, vegetation flora and fauna going on here as opposed to uh, the American South. But, uh, and I love this, you know, just again, getting all the character faces and, uh, it looks so humid in this shot. So, uh, and by the way, one thing that is going on in Australia, in Sydney especially, and the you know New, Central New South Wales, etc., is humidity mm-hmm. in the summer. It's a very humid place. Now, to create the feeling of humidity, we were smoking it up. This was right. all you know using smoke, and and uh, I, I should mention at this point the amazingly talented cinematographer steve steve arnold mm-hmm. this is my first collaboration with him i had three collaborations with him three films that i shot with steve starting with this one he's an australian cinematographer he's won many many awards there has done fantastic work his whole career and and i think his work in this is fantastic now here's the uh rawiri paratini making his appearance as a character and rawiri 
was had is a New Zealand actor. He's Maori um, from New Zealand who was had just starred in the film Whale Rider. I don't know if you've ever heard of the film, but it's an amazing film that got you know nominations and very 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 wonderfully uh, received a uh, New Zealand film. And so he was a very sought after character actor. He was Robert Mamone, who, uh, by the way, a lot of these people were friends of Russell Crowe. There you go. <laughs> Robert was, a, is still, I mean, was, has always been a friend of Russell's. He was part of what Russell called the La Familia crew. You know, they all went on, on Harleys around uh, roads in central New South Wales and beyond. Uh, Russell was a very, uh, almost like the leader of a motorcycle club. And this, this gentleman right here, Robert Mamone was one of the, one of the people in and it. He's, now that's, he's playing a character named after Mike Plug, right? A that's legendary correct. Marvel yeah. artist. Yeah. Exactly. Mike Plug, exactly right. And then this is John Batcher, who I think is a fantastic, you know, and then Ian Bliss, who was John Batchelor's, you know, um, sort of uh, brother and play, play the, some of the antagonists in the film. Ian is in the, the last two Matrix films as the, you know, surrogate Mr. Anderson who comes through into the physical world. Um, and so he was uh, doing those films at the same time he was in, in this area of time in his career. So this was, and I thought these guys did a great job of the deliverance style yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, characters here. <laughs> and uh, I really, I really love working with the character actors in a, on a piece like this. And get, of course, of course, this is, this is from a comic book. It's from a cult horror comic book. Mm -hmm. So we're, 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 creating a stylization here. There's very strong visual stylization and even character stylization. Um, that's part of it. You know, we're, 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 we're dealing in uh, the comic book universe. And I felt that that was needed to be established in this, even though the story was being taken seriously, you know, in terms of mm -hmm. the mystical component and uh, here's Wary with his cautionary note. You bring up universe. I mean, this is before the MCU and all the, the interconnectedness yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Were you still, I mean, were you, were you pitching any additional characters besides man thing to appear? Well, in we want to, I mean, look, it became such a, uh, just a fight to get this film done. Okay. And, and it was at a very low budget level. Uh, it doesn't look like a super low budget film. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's got, you know, multiple locations, outdoor locations, swamps, yeah. creatures. So, you know, one of my things is I've always been known as making films that look like they cost more for less. Right. Um, and this was an example of that. And uh, I love all the detail shots in this. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, you know, where just the, the detail of some of the things that give it a sense of place. And it was lucky that, you know, there were aspects of, you know, the, the Australian swampiness around Sydney that matched this, you know, this, this milieu. Mm -hmm. um, here's Imogen Bailey and now having a very bad mental problem because of what she saw with her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Understandable. Yeah, in the first scene. And All these people, I just, I'm just, I haven't watched this for a long time. So the, you know, Andrea Leon there is the nurse and yeah. it's, I, you know, this, uh, this is a group of people that I really hung out with in Australia and Australia, you know, it's a smaller place, right? It's mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're down there by Antarctica, you know, it's, and so it, it was, it was like being off the grid and some of this, this is some of the more mystical stuff in the swamp. And again, I was trying to create the idea of the animus 
being generated in nature, you know, in the swamp. That's what the man thing was coming from. And the, the cinematic expression of that uh, was, was some of the, the you know, those, those, those rich shots of, the, of nature and those montages to give a feel for that mystical nature of, uh, of the swamp. Very different than Swamp Thing. And, you know, Swamp Thing, mm -hmm. actually, Man Thing was first. Man yeah. Thing was the first one in comic books. Then Swamp Thing came about, which had a much more tongue-in-cheek mm -hmm. uh, thing to it, you know? And there was, there was a lot of uh, things that we'll talk about later, which um, some of the people that did a great job was uh, Peter Pound, one of the concept artists who also was, got a production designing credit because he literally storyboarded a lot of the film and designed the creature. And Tim Ferrier, uh, who also was our production designer, who really created you know, all of the scale in this film uh, for very little money. Um, so they did a tremendous amount of, of Herculean work to, to pull this off. Right. And um, I mean, some of these pieces were, you know, had to be constructed as part of, you know, something that was an extension of a real set. I mean, there was a lot of set work and actual physical creation in this movie. Um, now that I'm looking at it, you know, I mean, a, a giant, you know, 40,000 gallon or more, uh, you know, tank was welded together. There was welders going for like six weeks to weld a tank together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to get the swamp and, and then utilizing the, the fact, the fact that I was able to have a technocrane available for most of it. And I was able to utilize technocrane in the swamp sets. That was a big part of, of, uh, the, the camera movement aspect of this film. Um, which is always moving. It's always, you know, it's, it has that sort of classic dolly shot crane feel, which uh, at this part of my career, I was really, really enjoying doing that. And we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into one the, of the This is one of the shots I, that always stands out to me, just how yeah. it looks like man thing, you know, just everything's yeah. man thing. Exactly. Yeah. It, 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 it you know, the, the green, you know, color palette, uh, we actually used Fuji film because it had a greater green in the chroma. This is to Steve Arnold's brilliance um, because we wanted the green to really represent that green that you felt in the comic books of, of man thing. Yeah. And so that those, those shots, you're exactly right. Are really examples of us, you know, achieving that feeling of just the whole atmosphere is man thing. The whole atmosphere is a swamp. And, um, we did a lot of additions to all of the trees and for any of those shots. So we were always augmenting the real locations with further aspects of the bayou swamp feel. And we're about to go from a real location, which was raining because there was a lot of rain in Sydney as well. A lot of times we had to deal with rain and that actually added, you know, to, to the locations like this for this particular film. Also did a lot of silhouetting. Um, again, as I watch the film, I mean, one of the things I, I do like the visual style of the movie. I'm I'm happy with that. <laughs> right. Yeah. When I'm looking at it again, yeah, you know, sometimes you forget because you I haven't, you know, I haven't looked at this film for quite a number of years, and uh, you know, and looking at it without the, the sound, you know, it's just it's just purely the visual sort of almost comic book nature of the visual structure, and I'm I'm thinking it probably everybody watch it without sound it might be better <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so uh 
this is Pat Thompson again, who went on to be one of the stars of Feed, Jack Thompson's son. And, uh, you know, we were using full loads on those. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was into like, if we're going to see the flashes in the gun, we want to see big flashes. So right. use full loads. In Australia, they're like, no worries, mate. Get that full <laughs> load in there. <laughs> the, the stunt guys, the visual effects, physical effects guys in Australia are astoundingly good, by the way. Um, everyone I worked with on this um, the first AD, Chris, I mean, he was the first, my first AD on this was the first AD on Mad Max uh, 2, uh, Road Warrior, okay. right? And they did, which they did down there. So I'm like, I had a great Australian crew. I had a great Australian collaborative team. And this is now all on the fake swamp. Um, and uh, getting these shots with, you'll see, you'll see all that's, that's, we had to build up mud and then sometimes we took it away so that there could be either more water or less water. So there was a lot of level change creation going on here. And this is now the, the character that Steve Bastoni, LaRouche, that Steve Bastoni uh, uh, plays. And Steve was in the Matrix films as well. Um, he was a very powerful Australian actor. Uh, we had a great look. Again, everyone in Australia, they just, they pop. <laughs> Australians, you know, it's Command like the screen. Right. They, exactly, they do, and 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 uh, you know, I think this is you know, looking at this visually, this this is what these characters are doing. Um, although you know, this is an example of a scene where Matt Lenavez's character he had to they 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 forced a rewrite of him more like a hard ass, you know, Clint Eastwood type sheriff, which is really not organic to his persona. Mm-hmm. as an actor so you know it, he was always having to work with that and, and I his the original script really served his character much better for that casting um I will say that so I felt I felt bad for Matt sometimes because he had to be playing this thing that wasn't really you know something he wanted to play or that he thought he was going to play when he read the first script right. <laughs> it was a switch up you know um and this guy was you know again a great Australian character actor that's worked in so many films in that industry. I mean, Australia has its own, its own film industry that was, you know, went through a renaissance in the seventies and especially the eighties directors like Bruce Beardsford, Peter Weir came out of that, you know? Uh, and uh, one of the things I'll tell you about, you know, making this film in Australia was the Australians don't work the same hours that you work in a Hollywood uh, LA based kind of shoot, which is 12 hours is the minimum, right? I mean, and then usually it goes beyond that, which becomes a safety issue and all that. There's a right. whole dialogue that can become out of that, especially in light of recent events with Alec Baldwin, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we were, we, they wanted to shoot 10 hours a day. That's the normal day of shooting in Australia. And I was like, at first, like, Oh my God, I'm going to get my film done. Mm-hmm. And then the second, the first AD, Chris, he said to me, look, they'll hate you if you force them to shoot 12 hours a day, even if you pay them the overtime. And I promise you we'll get it done at 10. And I said, okay. And we did. And I actually had a life while making a movie. Look at it, that. that was, it was a, it was a, mm. it was a, and you know, at, at the end of a day on a Friday with 10 hours, we could have somebody hanging up in front of green screen. We're shutting down. We'll get it on Monday, mate. There's a footy game in the pub. We're going to the pub. Come on, let's have a pint. You, you know, and, and that was just there. It was a more healthy attitude mm-hmm. to filmmaking, in all honesty. 
Um, so that was one of the things that I was very, uh, this is again, back to a real location of Swamp, which just is one that happened to look really good. So we were constantly shifting between mm-hmm. the man-made swamp and the real locations and doing it, I think, fairly seamlessly here. And that, that green color in the palette really carrying over to, into everything and how we lit, how Steve lit everything and how, uh, you know, how we worked with the, the film stock, et cetera. So I think that's pretty seamless as I'm looking at it now. And this is... We've seen uh, several dead bodies now. But yes. we still haven't seen seen a creature. You're really building him up as a yes. legend or something. Yeah, here we go. And this is me. I do not smoke cigarettes. Okay. I won't say that right now, but I wanted to smoke cigarettes because I was actually doing an homage to the coroner in Chinatown. Okay. You know, hey, Jake, you know me, Jake. And he's <laughs> smoking a cigarette. So I thought, well, I'll smoke a cigarette at the last minute. And you can tell I'm not really inhaling. <laughs> right. But, you know. That's history too. Another Marvel, another Marvel first. I'm pretty sure this yeah. is the only Marvel cigarettes. Yeah, no, it may be. And and uh, I did it in multiple scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, another scene coming up as well. And uh, Mississippi, common Mississippiensis. I remember I had to learn these terms for the alligator. You know, is it Southern alligator? Common Southern alligator attack. Absolutely disgusting prosthetic, and I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it. This look, the people that did the prosthetic work mm-hmm. did a really good job. They did a really good job. And um, there's, again, there are great craftsmen in Australia that are working 10 hours a day. They're not working the usual hours, mm-hmm. and they get it done, and they, it looks great. You know, even in the in- interiors, you see that we're, we're going towards the green of the spectrum. So everything visually is in that yeah. realm of the swamp feel, the, the man thing, color palette. And, uh, again, always, always moving the camera. I had a great time doing that in this because they gave me a, they gave me a super techno crane for the entire shoot. It was actually the one that George Lucas had used and the operators that he had used on Phantom Menace. Mm. And uh, so we were able to really move the camera a lot in this film, which I really enjoyed. And this is Alex again. You know, and hey, let's get a big front loader going in the background. And you know, there, there was just always, there was always resources in Australia to use to make something have some scale and some. And then we had to, you know, that we obviously had to build that entire, that entire shack because right. we had to do this to it. Building up the, the fact that the man thing is what's doing these attacks. Here I am again. I got it. I put myself in a lot of scenes in this movie. Got to have this time. Man. Look at that. Got to go on a field trip once in a while. Yeah. Um, it's an example. We were making this film, you know, out in Australia. And so we were way down there and we just kind of were left alone to make it except for the script. <laughs> I won't say that that was the one thing that we weren't able to, to really do what we wanted to do on, but, um, you know, that's one of the reasons I was able to say, okay, I'm just going to play the corner. I'm in Australia. I'm shooting a movie in Australia. Let's play the corner. Okay, why not? <laughs> and so imagine the, the machinations you'd have to go through on a Marvel movie today in order yeah. to do that. Absolutely. You'd have to go literally like see the Pope or something, you know? <laughs> um, and then here we go. Another, another prosthetic where you got the, and I think I talk about the fact that this 
this branch is not coming from outside, but coming from in. Mm-hmm. So grisly. It's amazing. Yeah. And again, you know, this idea was to, you know, to not show the creature, to show the uh, effects of the creature mm-hmm. um, without having to, you know, to keep it, keep it a, a reveal for when it really needed to be revealed later. And there's a big reveal. And here I am with the cigarette again. Something to take the edge off. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's interesting to see see oneself. I mean, I, I'm, I'm usually completely behind the camera. Um, I've done a few cameos. I have a cameo in, uh, in Virtuosity. Um, but uh, this is the only one where I actually play a character. And then what was really interesting, again, for a Marvel fan like myself, they made a three comic book run of the comic book of the film of Man-Thing. And I'm in it, drawn like me, as the coroner. <laughs> so I'm in a Marvel comic. That's amazing. That Marvel released. There's a three, it's a three, three, uh, three issue series of, of this film. And it looks like, you know, stills of this film drawn in comic book style. That's great. Yeah, Hans Rodenoff, who had done a lot of work with Marvel, was one of the screenwriters on this. And he was involved with that, uh, that comic book. And so there was a whole culture behind the Marvel thing that, you know, again, this is a very unique sort of dichotomy Mm -hmm. because we were there just making this independent, lower budget independent film in Australia, but it was a Marvel movie. (laughs) So it's a very strange mix of things um, for the Marvel universe. It's, it's kind of a unique piece uh, in that. And. uh, Right, right, right. look Look at this, the weather here. You know, it's like you can tell the weather is like coming and going and, you know. It's like a storm's brewing almost. Yeah, but there's a lot of storms in Australia. I mean, Australia had the most amazing lightning I've ever seen. Um, but uh, you were asking a question. What, what was yeah, question? no, you mentioned, uh, of course, Avi, Avi has credits in here and, and you yep. did work with Kevin Feige. Kevin's been with Marvel since, you know. Yeah, from the beginning. Ever. Yeah. And he helped on this he was well. He was actually one of the greatest supporters supporting energy when, cause I, when I s- sent the dailies, he really loved the dailies. Um, he loved how I was moving the camera. He was very, very helpful. He was a great guy and it was just a sweet man and is to this day. And you know, he's, his success is well-deserved. Um, I, I, he was a great executive to work with. And you know, this was, you know, I was way far away in another part of the world making this movie. And um, you know, he wasn't really in charge of the whole script change process. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was just uh, overseeing, you know, the fact that we were producing the film and the, how it looked, and and he was he was very. Uh, I have great emails from him complimenting me on the camera movement. So I always think, yeah. well, there you go. I've got there you go. I got I, I got somebody in Marvel that loved this film, <laughs> um, because uh, you know this is again it's a kind of outlier mm-hmm. in the Marvel universe. Um, the way it was made, the budget it was made at, how it was made what the scripting process was and how that changed, you know, all of those things were, uh, were unique in this film. And 
I, I'm not uh, even sure if you'd be privy to the information, but c- compare this budget to, I mean, you mentioned Ang Lee's Hulk or, or something like that. Oh my Is God. Like half a quarter. Oh, no. Or, well, no, 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 no. This, this was an under $10 million film. Oh, so not even comparable. Not this is this. Uh, the, I think it was 8 million Australian, okay. which is like 5 million. It was very, very, very independent film done, done with an independent film company. Um, uh, that then, you know, Lionsgate was part of it. And then, you know, it was, it was at a time when the Marvel thing was not as codified as it is now, right. that's for sure. Right. And, uh, you know, to, to, um, Avi Rod's credit, I mean, I was like, I had gone down to Australia because Russell Crowe had got me down there after I'd made uh, Virtuosity with him. And I really loved the place. I met a lot of filmmakers and the film culture there. Uh, and when I was talking with Scott Carroll and Avi and Ari Arad about making this film, I said, well, we should go make it in Australia. And he said, go ahead, go down there and make it. <laughs> and literally we did. And Scott Carroll and I got on a plane, went down there. We were you know, waiting for the money to hit to make the movie. I mean, it was it was very much like an independent film. It was not like a studio film. Marvel Studios was just beginning at that time uh, as a concept. And so this was, again, it was in this, this, this you know, bridging moment between mm-hmm. the way in which Marvel films were made and how they're made now. And you've got Ruri Peratini doing a very, very famous uh, chant. Um, and, you know, he was a very mystical guy, this guy. He was a big part of the Maori culture. Um, Whale Rider is a tremendously good film. If anyone wants to, you know, it's more of an art film, but it's a wonderful, amazingly heartfelt film with a tremendous performance by him as the grandfather and this young girl that literally is, rides a whale. I mean, it's, I don't know how else to say it, but it's a <laughs> mystical, mystical movie. And then you've got this, you know, these were big shots to set up. We had to find a place to, you know, and light a very large area, you know, um, we're always battling the, the lighting resources on this to get, give it the scope that we wanted. And uh, again, you know, to get the, we had to smoke it up. So we had giant Navy foggers fogging up everything in order to get uh, the definition in the, in the light there. And we were also setting up in kind of what was only could be described as toxic mud because this whole area was a kind of estuary swamp that came off of those chemical plants you saw in the beginning mm-hmm. um, that he drives, that he goes by in the, in the, that the sheriff goes by in the boat in the beginning. And so all of this, like we were saying, don't, you know, don't put your hands to your mouth, uh, wash the mud off your boots. It's got chromium in it. I mean, all these different, you know, heavy metals because it was a, basically a toxic swamp. Uh, that we were making this thing in uh, at the time. And we had to be very careful with, with that. So that was another thing that made it, you know, and of course most of it was at night. Mm-hmm. So we're doing night shoots. And um, sometimes this was actually fairly cold. I remember we were supposed to be making it like it's, you know, a warm summer kind of swampy, humid thing. And it actually was fairly cold. That was the, the hand. You see the hand mm-hmm. of the swamp, uh, the uh, man thing for the first time. Um, that was a mechanical hand done, uh, again, uh, I want to mention Peter Pound. This is all, by the way, fake swamp. This is all, and look at these trees. I mean, Tim Ferrier did a tremendous job of creating the, the, the swamp, the artificial swamp. And, and then all of those moves were all 
technocrane moves where we, we, there's a base to the technocrane and you could, we, we made the swamp set so that in the different locations, there were six places you could plug the technocrane base into, and then you could get anywhere from each of those six places with the camera by floating it over this, you know, watery swamp uh, tank, you know? So, and we were constantly, there we go. This is the shitting scene. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. And then this is an example that that kind of move that, you know, is on the, can only be done with a, with a technocrane right. at that time. Um, they have more sophisticated equipment now, but that was a very sophisticated piece of equipment at that time. And, uh, that mud was one of the biggest issues that we had to constantly replace mud to get enough mud in certain areas. And we had to build up mounds of mud because mostly it was a tank of water. And so, you know, this was like working in water, mud, you know, weird slime the whole time. You know, it basically, even though it, it was not a toxic real swamp like the other part that we were making, but this was the man-made swamp, it actually became a bit toxic because one day in, for one of the scenes coming up, we had to create a bigger mound of mud and the uh, Australian crew went to grab some, uh, some bags of like Fuller's Earth to, you know, build the mud mound up. Turned out it was made of what they would call chook shit, which is chicken shit. Oh no. And so they poured all this chicken shit into the into this giant tank and the entire tank became bacterially oh. dangerous. Oh no. And we had a, we had t-shirts made up like with a man thing with his hands on his nose going this swamp stinks. <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, I have some one of those somewhere. That this swamp stinks. That's good. And uh, this is back to a, re a real swamp here. You know, whenever we're using this this big of a. This is Alex Laughlin's first big sort of speech. Remember, he worked a long time on the accent, and uh, and he plays a, a tremendously disturbing character in my film Feed. Uh, which was another one of his first films. Uh, and then, you know, got a number of TV series in in America, ending with Hawaii Five-O being the one that stuck. And so he plays McGarrett on Hawaii Five-O for oh, a long time. Living in Hawaii and uh, doing well. It's, it's great because he was a very, very talented young actor. This set does... Yeah, almost claustrophobic. It is. It is. Especially we're constantly it smoking it up. We're, yeah. you know, I mean, look, there, this was to get the look here. I'm very proud of the look of this film. Mm -hmm. To get this look was a tremendous amount of work for everybody. Right. Uh, you know, especially Steve Arnold, the director of photography, and Tim Ferrier and Peter Pound, the production designers. Tim doing most of the physical creation of the sets, and Peter doing a lot of the conceptual work. Um, this was the mound, by the way, that, that we built up for, with chook shit. Um, so, and I'm, we're, we're filming this and I'm in, in there too, and you know, big waiters and I'm going, boy, this, something stinks. <laughs> something is stinking here. And you know, poor John Batcher, he's got to, you know, sink himself up to his waist in the stuff, mm -hmm. you know, uh, for this, uh, for this kill of the man thing. 
And again, we're utilizing just the atmosphere. I am, I'm not talking about the score because I'm not hearing the score, but uh, uh, the score by John Mason. And uh, here we go. This is one of the first reveals of a little bit more of the man thing. Mm -hmm. Now, the technique we use to create the man thing goes to something I always wanted to do, which goes back to the fact that as a child, I loved the movie Creature from the Black Lagoon. And the Creature from the Black Lagoon was a guy in a suit, right? And so part of what we used for Man-Thing here, this is all these things going, you know, snaking towards him. Whoa, Ooh, whoa. There you go. Whoa, that, now that's digital, obviously. Done by a lot of people that were involved with Weta, actually, did some of the digital oh, okay. work on this. Yeah. So that was down there in the Antipodes, you know, and that's, there was some great, effects talent in both uh, Australia and uh, the map group and many, many good animators and technicians. Obviously, you know, the Lord of the Rings movies were made down there. Yeah. Um, the Matrix films. So there are no slouches. <laughs> and the physical effects and digital effects kind of seamlessly work together. Absolutely. In this. But that, the, those, those pieces of the man thing, we, we had to find a very, very, very tall guy big guy who also had to be very strong because the prosthetic pieces of the man thing were so heavy that just even to raise the arms and, you know, the hands that were had mechanics in them was, you know, you had to be literally a weightlifter. So he was a, a weightlifting big, big, big guy who played the man thing. And we then added digital effects onto the base of him, of that man in a suit playing the man thing. So this is a, we built this entire set here, this entire floating shack. Again, a lot of builds in this. This was that, and look at that, that, that that's a real environment. So, you know, it, it feels like the bayou. Um, it it's obviously a little does. different, but uh, we were able to, you know, with light and the colorization and all the different builds and, and additions, there's a lot of uh, Spanish moss was mm -hmm. one of the biggest things we had to make, you know, order bags and bags and bags up every day to put on the trees just to give that Spanish moss feel, which isn't indigenous down there. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's kind of audacious just to go make a movie in Australia that had these things in it. Cause you know, I didn't even know there was a, a swamp outside of Sydney. It turned out it was a toxic swamp near a chemical <laughs> plant, but you know, right. it was lucky. We had some of these, you know, these very subtle visual effects, where, you know, we were warping things a bit. You know, there was a lot of little uh, nuanced, you know, sort of almost subliminal visual effects to the swamp that, that are done all the way throughout. If you go through and look at those interstitial pieces, you'll see that. So there was a lot of detail put to this moon. And this is now on the fake swamp, mm -hmm. um, which all that sculpture of all those trees was done just fantastically. I mean, Brilliant. That's, that's, all, that's all, you know, wire sculpture. I mean, that, you know, brute force <laughs> to right. make it and it's looking very real yeah so again i was very very thrilled by the visual look of the film and i got caught up in that uh because i wasn't happy with the script mm -hmm. and that was one of the biggest cautionary lessons of my life uh because if you don't have the script really nailed you don't have a film that ultimately fully works right
Um, that's just the reality, you know. I mean, it. You know, luckily with a comic book film like this, you can't. I mean, literally, I'm enjoying it more watching it without mm -hmm. hearing the dialogue than I am, you know, just visually because it's it is a visual experience and it feels very much like the panels in a comic book. Right. You know, the, the colorizations happening, uh, the stylization of some of the characterizations. Here's another big, big physical effect with John Batchelor. Mm -hmm. You know, and Ian Bliss, and he's about to get it, as I recall. Look at that. <laughs> Man thing got him pretty good. Yeah. Whoa. There you go. Yeah. And this is now the digital man thing. Boom. But that was, you know, we had to lift him up and all that was done physically. Um, that's why we had to do that all on a, you know, fake swamp set because we had to have control of a lot of different elements. And um, the effects with the man thing really, really hold up. I think it did Absolutely. You know, feel it doesn't, you know, especially given it's, it's in a dark area, it's the green, it's the swamp, you know, you, we're not, we're utilizing the lim those, those limited palette aspects of the set and of the, of the Maison Seine in order to, you know, create something that, that still has veracity to it. Again, I'm just enjoying all the Australian faces in this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this is a guy that, you know, he went to NIDA, um, was, you know, learned his craft then, and, you know, we put him in this, and he, he got a huge career. Um, very proud of the, all the people in this film and, and how they went on to do all kinds of great work um, over the years. And, of course, then Jack, who there's more with Jack coming. Right. He's really the, the anchor. Uh, he's a, the way to understand Jack Thompson is he's kind of the John Wayne of Australia uh, in, his, in his later years. It's like you go to a pub with him and he has his Australian hat on and, and you know, the old guys at the, at the pub are like, Jacko, hey, Jack, <laughs> hey, you are. He's go, mate, mate, you know, and it's just like he's, he's revered like John Wayne. You know, we don't know him here like that. Mm -hmm. um, but down there, it was like hanging out with John Wayne all the time. It was fantastic. And he's a true Renaissance man, um, had an encyclopedic knowledge of Australiana. And really, uh, we developed a number of projects, actually, while I was there. Feed was the one that actually got made. Um, this is another example of the fake swamp set. Whoa. There you go. And this is Matt really being hung upside down. <laughs> Not fun. But then this is, again, the ability to use the super technocrane and the, the nodal head on that to do this kind of, this kind of tilting, spinning work. And, uh, Steve Bastoni, who just, you know, he really is holding down a visual presence in this more than anything. Absolutely. Um, and these are all actors that are still primarily in Australia and do a lot of great work in all kinds of, you know, there's a lot of really amazing Australian series that come on the streaming services now. I don't know if you've checked them out, but there's, you know, it's, it, it, they keep cranking out really good work down there. Um, and they have a very strong cinema culture that, uh, that was fun to work within because they really, it was almost like a more, 
fresh and innocent version of Hollywood. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. they were still very excited and less jaded than, you know, the crews in LA, let's say, you know, who were mm-hmm. just, that's sixth generation grips and, you know, I mean, <laughs> right. and, and great, great craftspeople. I mean, amazing, amazing craftspeople in LA. Absolutely. But they, you know, the people in Australia were like just really happy to be doing cinema. And then they have the Fox studios in the middle of uh, Sydney mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, in many ways, my story of making this film is a story of being in Australia for a number of years. And uh, it became a, a, a season of my life that was really, uh, really fun. And this is, there was a whole greater uh, backstory with this character, LaRouche, that, uh, that Steve Bastoni is playing. And again, a lot of these things got taken down to a much more shorthanded form Mm -hmm. and uh you know in the original story that this character the sheriff comes back to this area because he grew up in this area and his father he had a very traumatic experience with his father in a place called the dark water uh and it was related to the origin of the man thing as a spirit of the swamp and so there was a kind of a more mystical component that connected into the Ruwiri Piratini mystical aspect. Um, you know, the, the indigenous, um, the Huma Indians uh, of, the, of the Bayou aspect that we were sort of playing on. But all of that got, you know, sort of cut down significantly and thinned out. And it would have been a richer film with some of that more fully expressed, especially given this character who was basically... Right the sheriff who's basically just reacting, mm-hmm. you know, to everything happening, you know, here we go. This is, there we go. There was, there was a little piece of the man thing again with the physical man thing with digital ads. Again, we're not showing much of it still. We're just mm-hmm. teasing it. And that was my, you know, I wanted to tease it like you te- you know, the alien is teased an alien. Right. You know, you don't really see much of alien. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is, you know, being a creature movie, primarily it's a creature movie. Uh, wanted to tease the creature until we came to the full reveal. A lot of creature movies now you see a lot right up front. <laughs> um, this is all strobe work done with a very heavily smoked up environment with uh, Robert Moan playing Mike Plug. We had a dog on the set, a couple dogs. Doesn't even care about the creature, just wants the picture. Look at that. Exactly. He's uh he knows there's a creature out there, this character. Mm. I recall. He's trying to warn him. So uh these were again, you can see some of the breath. Uh, you know, the, it was often very cold, mm. and we were in water and freezing mud uh so the you know it was an uncomfortable set that swamp set that's for sure (laughs) and i was basically sitting in it for 10 hours a day you know up to my waist uh you know in water uh in waders looking like the you know gordon's fisherman you know (laughs) it was pretty pretty funny and you know just they did a great job with all of the builds um 
really wanted to, you know, kind of build an environment here that you can see the depth mm. in this. It took a lot of, you know, because this is all external night lighting. So, we, you know, we're trying to give it the look of a much bigger film. And I think people would be surprised at what this film actually costs. I mean, people look at this film and think of it, oh, it's a Marvel movie. And, you know, and they kind of judge it on the same criteria as all Marvel. Well, it really is its own thing. It's, the, you know, it's the man thing. It's its own thing. You know, it's, it's not. Um, and didn't they just, did, wasn't there just a recent attempt at doing a man thing series or something? I heard there's rumors ones in the works. They did a swamp thing series and then it actually got canceled because of tax credits and stuff like that. It was pretty good. Swamp thing was pretty good, but, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see if man thing comes back. Yeah. I'm I'm interested because you know, there's, there is a cool sort of, uh, nature theme to man thing, Mm -hmm. which is what I was trying to get at in this film. Um, with the more mystical elements and the ecological storyline. Um, but all of those threads did not get fully woven together uh, as they were in previous uh, drafts of the script. So how many drafts did you go through? Quite a number. And then James Coyne was doing a lot of the, the drafts with Hans Rodinoff um, toward the end. And then there was a draft that came through to us on the fax machine uh, suddenly one day after the Hulk had opened and shifted to things because they were responding to, you know, concerns they had regarding some of the things that didn't work in the Hulk. And they were worried that those kind of similar themes wouldn't work in this. It was totally different in all honesty. It was just, I think, a reaction to the surprise of the Hulk not really working commercially and, and critically as much as uh, they wanted it to, you know, and they had Ang Lee, who had, you know, Academy Award winning director, amazing director, who some thought was a kind of a strange match for that material. I think that there was a few things in that Hulk that were difficult, you know, especially when you're spending over $200 million on a film. Right. You know, slightly more than we, we spent here. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, getting those details like getting, you know, cars burning, you know, I mean, just like, oh, they walk, well, they walk up and there's cars burning. Uh, okay. <laughs> It's, it's why because it's a comic book that's why because right. it's, it's a graphic novel it's it's meant to be an environment that doesn't necessarily you know relate to uh to reality in the same way as as comic books often do right so Rubier was a, just a beautiful guy mm. um and you know all of the new zealand people the maori people um Fantastic. Tamora Morrison, I met through Weary, uh, who was part of Once for Warriors, and he's in the Star Wars movies. And, um, you know, th- there's a lot going on in the Antipodes down there, the Antipodes. Um, and it's at the same time, you're, you're really far away from mm-hmm. everything else. So this was the feeling. I, I was almost like I went to a, an island somewhere in the, you know, far, far, far away and made a movie. That's what it felt like this. And then this is the biggest build, you know, building this, uh, this uh, schist oil derrick in the middle of the middle of the swamp set. A lot of, uh, a lot of work with oil and, and dead pigeons. <laughs> Again, Brendan Fletcher, a young filmmaker that uh, I had met through Russell Crowe, um, did a lot of those, uh, that, uh, those more abstract shots and, uh, he did a fantastic job. 
and he's he's been a friend ever since. Uh, and again, the whole reason I made this thing in Australia was because of Russell Crowe, because he got me down there, and I just loved the place. And I thought, wow, what better thing to do than make a movie down here? They made a lot of movies down here, and they made some good ones too, and they have a whole cinema history. And so, uh, when I got to make this movie, going away to almost you know this faraway desert island in a way, it was actually a a great adventure of my life. Right. Yeah, it was fun. Um, the these montage bits, I, lo- yeah. I absolutely love the montages. Yeah, the, look, just, the montages. I'm very again, and there you go. There's a little bit of the digital warping mm-hmm. there. Again, we're trying to do some things that were fairly subtle, and uh, this is where you start to we start to see some pieces of the man thing, and that look. I'm looking at that now, and I'm like, hey, that looks pretty damn good. It does. I'm very. Uh, I, I always felt that visually this film was a very, fairly sophisticated, you know, film and also went far with the gore, with, with the horror component, which, you know, doesn't often happen. Um, and it, it fit what Man-Thing was about and this whole idea that nature can be incredibly brutal if you fuck with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the biggest thing of this movie was don't fuck with the Man-Thing. That was the that was the critical aspect of this film. I could see that. Yeah. I can see that. And so, and then uh, nothing's good. <laughs> nothing good has come from it yet. No, no. I mean, look, it, it, but you know, it's because schist is, you know, drilling, oil drilling in the middle of the swamp where he's not supposed to be drilling, and that pisses off the nature spirits, as Rawiri Peratini is telling us right here. <laughs> All right. This is what this uh, this whole sequence is about, and um, he was a wonderfully mystical person himself. We're weary. So um, again, we're we're having you know an indigenous New Zealander play an indigenous American. So it's all it's all kind of an alternate reality going on here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But you know, just the visual stuff and those, you know, the trees coming out of the, the it really kind of fit the, the feeling of this. And one one aspect I'll say is that being down in Australia, you know, everything in those locations had many snakes, many spiders, all which kill you. Right. Like the mo- the twenty seven most poisonous spiders, the twenty two most poisonous snakes, all exist in Australia in those locations where we were shooting. So you had to kind of turn your mind off to that and just go, I'm going to be okay. You know, and just, you know, obviously the Australians, they were fine with it. They, they lived with it their whole lives, but us wimpy Americans, when we get there, they would always make, you know, Hey, what's the snake, mate? You know, (laughs) 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 because we're ready to get, get, uh, get killed by a snake or spider. And they had leaping spiders, spiders that leapt off of trees at you. I mean, it was a crazy place. Um, in that way, and then this, and this, this, this aspect of the film is the part of the film which I was not really happy about, which mm-hmm. is the young sheriff in the middle of this man thing, extreme man thing violence is you know basically trying to bed the the, right. the hot school teacher, um, and that was something that was insisted upon. Uh, as mm-hmm. as a subplot and w- where it goes at the ending is also one of the things that I'm not I, the ending I want it to be something very different um, so I wanted this all to be much more edgy about 
the nature of what was going on, the man thing, how it was connected to his backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's just, uh, Jack is actually very, very strong in this. I remember uh, Avi Arad saw these, these, uh, uh, these rushes and was like, Thompson, powerful actor, powerful actor. You know? And he is, he's, he's one of those guys and he's, you know, he's played many, many different character roles in American studio films, uh, you know, like a broken arrow and where he's a commander, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's in, uh, Clint Eastwood's, uh, midnight in the garden of good and evil. He plays a major role in that. Uh, so he's done a lot of great work. Um, and his Australian work, which is less known is, is some of the most iconic Australian films ever made. Um, and, uh, I learned all about that. We, we, we were developing with Russell, during this time, a film about Ben Hall, the Bush Ranger. It was called Bush Ranger. Many people know about Ned Kelly. They made a number of films about Ned Kelly, mm-hmm. uh, the Bush Ranger, but there was one that came before Ned Kelly named Ben Hall. And actually Jack had, had developed that project for many, many years. And uh, then uh, I was attached to direct uh, for a while and we created a script together. I actually ended up living at Jack's family estate uh, in Wolgulga, a place called Wolgulga, and d- designed that script. And it was for, Je- for Russell to play Ben Hall. Uh, it never ended up happening, um, but it was kind of like a gone with the wind of Australia. It was a very amazing story. And I, I got to travel all around Australia with Jack, and he took me to the actual places the Ben Hall story took place, the wet mountains and the caves there where they hung out. There was like a whole place where they hide, you know, hid out as bush rangers. And it's this whole kind of Western story of their frontier that is similar to the Western story of America, but in Australia. Right. So um, that's something that I, yeah, I developed with Jack. And, and uh, one of the things about this that was really happy because these guys, you know, father and son, Pat was always working to be an actor and they never got to, perform together until this movie. And this was, this is one of the first sequences we shot with them together and, mm-hmm. and they're playing father and son. And so it's, and when they, when they're laughing, they, I remember this was one, of the, <laughs> this was a great moment for them yeah. to be evil father and son together. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a great shot. So now we're, yeah, we're building up to this, this, uh, reveal the man thing through the mysticism of this character. Um, you know, we tried to bring as many interesting iconographic indigenous components to that altar and again, always, always craning in this movie, always craning, always moving and craning. Cause we had the, we had the ability to do it, which was great. Love that. Yeah, I'm very. I'm really looking at it. You know, again, just as a visual expression, without the sound on, is actually uh, giving me a new appreciation for my own film. <laughs> you know, because uh, you know this this film was very you know was was received mi- with mixed uh, success, and you know I think over time people look at it and get a different perspective on part of the reason for that was that Marvel was becoming the biggest thing in the world right at that time. Mm-hmm. And this is a kind of, again, a small independent cultish, you know, horror thriller made down in Australia, you know, without named actors. And so, you know, it's, it, it was its own, its own unique thing in some ways over time, it'll be more unique than some of the other films because it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's still got that Marvel 
thing on the beginning of it. So I, I made a Marvel movie. There you but go. It's definitely yeah, a strange yeah. one. It's definitely a strange one. Um, you know, and and uh, it's not really conforming to the sort of fanboy Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. mentality, you know, at all. Which I understand is, you know, I understand that that mentality to a degree. I'm part of it myself. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember always worrying, like putting actors in boats and making them go fast is always a worry. <laughs> right. like, you're going to like smash it into something and drown. You know, there's again, there's snakes in that water. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. This is like, we got this super fast. I remember that was really fun. We got this super fast boat. This guy lent us for just those shots. Um, and some digital composites here. Going to the swamp. You uh, you mentioned you know MCU and and the culture and stuff around it. Is is yeah. it something you'd you'd come back to? What other characters do you think you would like to? Oh, tell there's many. There's many characters. To I, mean, I like I like thing. the ones that are more that are a bit more dark. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that. Uh, but you know, they're exploring so many now. It's like mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I like Jeremy Renner's work. Yeah. Uh, you know, as an actor and as a character, I think he's doing something that's humanizing. Um, you know, his, his role, uh, in that very, to, it's a good combination of actor and an iconic comic book role, you know? Right. Um, so there's some, you know, I, I'm really, um, it's been really interesting to watch how it all, you know, has, has grown since this time. I mean, I, I, I felt that, wow, I'd love to get in and make Marvel movies. That's part of the reason I did this. Um, and then it happened in a very different way than the rest of that whole world, you know, but again, I, you know, it was, it was a, it was a positive experience in the making of it and in the working with people like Kevin Feige and Scott Carroll, you know, and, and all the, all the production people involved. My, uh, my producing partner, Jamil Everett was brought onto this film as well as a producer. She was the person I wrote and uh, she produced, wrote Lawnmower Man with, and she produced it, you know, my first big hit. And um, look at this. This is a sea of. We now we, we had to put down dry ice smoke for this, so it hung on the surface. And this is the big reveal of the man thing coming up here. And uh, these are all again. We're working in a tank, smoke, water, mm-hmm. mud, giant man thing guy, mm-hmm. and you know, lifting people up with cables and you know it was it was actually a very you know complex little indie movie to make (laughs) and then the you know there's the digital eyes glowing that that look of the man thing right there i think is just really matches the feeling of the comic book absolutely you know it really and then these the digital tentacles and him being raised up and and one of my favorite shots is coming up which is what happens to him when the tentacles go into his body. Right. Yeah. And that's a big guy in that suit. Let me tell you. <laughs> guy. See you. He, he was, he was an incredible trooper because it was hell being in that suit for 10 hours a day. I love this. Love th- this. And then goes, goes into his eyes. <laughs> Look at that. The plantification of the human body, you know, that was a, and I think again, I think that those those shots and that expression holds up. Right, it holds up. It doesn't doesn't look you know too cartoony or anything. It's uh, it's very organic. 
Very spooky. Yeah, it's it's a uh, yeah, it's oh my god, here I am again. There you are I again. I, mean, I can't believe how many times I put myself. I know in that's more. That's not even a cameo anymore. It's, no, no, this I mean, is a you're... supporting role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least I didn't give myself another close up. I, I went to the wide shot. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so then here she Everyone's goes off the like, swamp. The little yeah, engine good going into the swamp alone. The school yeah. teacher going into the swamp alone, which is again kind of a hoary cliche. It's like, you know, oh, she's going into the swamp alone. I mean, come on, you know. Yeah. Um, some of those components were different than what I had originally developed for the movie, um, which was actually darker. Um, it was, you know, the, 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 uh, the sheriff character was more of an anti-hero connected to his father's destiny, which was essentially to become the man thing. The father had a whole thing that happened with him that combined with Indian spirits and created the man thing creature. That was the origin. That all got cut out okay. um, before we even started shooting it. So, um, and now we're getting close to the, Penultimate. Mm -hmm. Again, these are these are again because we're in war. This is an example of you know a shot you can only get with the, the retracting arm of the super techno crane. And then you, you know they, you can see they're going down into the water there. And that was real swamp. So we're cutting back and forth between fake swamp and real swamp quite a bit. Right. And. Uh, one of the most consistent things in this is the green. The green look is very consistently done. Yeah. And again, this was shot in 35 millimeter. This was not HD. This is, you know, shot in, with Panavision cameras. And, uh, again, using, using the techno crane. Get above and then come behind, then come back down to the water level. And, uh, boom, here he comes. Yep. <laughs> boom. <laughs> Steve Bastoni, man of the swamp. <laughs> Working with that much water in in a t in a tank is was a revelation. Let me oh. tell you, it you know it slowed things down. You had to really plan things out uh, very specifically because just getting everyone into that swamp, getting all the technicians, getting the actors, and getting them in and out was its own thing. You know, right. you're just always in muck water. Everyone's wet all the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but that's what you bite off when you're going to make a swamp film. <laughs> Right. That's a, oh man thing right. in the swamp. So when you guys are, are developing this and you know, you're going through drafts yep. and, and, and mm -hmm. storyboarding and production design, are mm -hmm. you, are you referencing all the comics at the time? Are you referencing? Yeah, we reference the comics, especially for the creature. I mean, the stories of the comics were not as much reverence because the idea was to create a new origin story for the man thing. Okay. That was what I went in with that then changed uh, after the Hulk came out. So the, the origin story kind of got, got thrown out. 
uh, because there was an origin story of the Hulk, as you recall, that was connected to the father and son story of Nick Nolte and right. Eric Bana. And so um, it became more just a, a film of a sheriff having to deal with a swamp creature killing people. Mm -hmm. um, and again, the, st the style and the feeling of all these things is something I'm, I'm still enjoying. Uh, just wish I could have taken the story to a much deeper place, you know, and allowed um, the actor, like Matt Lovez is a, a very skilled, sensitive, mm -hmm. dramatic actor. And he had to play just kind of hard ass sheriff responding to man thing violence, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was, a, it was a challenging thing for him when the changes were made. Right. And, Do you uh, know what happened to the uh, man thing costume? Oh yeah. I'm sure it was, you know what? It may still exist somewhere in Australia. Mm. I mean, it was a big, multiple right. pieces. It was a big piece of, you know, of, of Polly's polystyrene foam, you know, all mm. just, it was pretty massive. So and, it's not uh, someone's closet, but it could be in a warehouse. Theoretically. It could be in a warehouse. It could be in a warehouse. It, it actually, I mean, for them to destroy it would be weird in some ways because uh, it was, you know, a real piece of sculpture and it, Right. a lot of money to make um again the guy that had to get into that thing and then get into wetness with it every mm -hmm. day he was he was the one doing the, the most physically arduous work of anybody on the film i felt so bad for this guy i mean <laughs> because you know for him to go take a pee he had to get out of the thing he had to take the head off that would be 15 minutes and then to get it back in the tank was another thing so i would lose a lot of time Mm -hmm. if he didn't just stay in the suit. So I'd be constantly going to him saying, can you just stay in the suit? Can you do another 10 minutes? Can you stay for another 10 minutes, man? Please, mate, stay in the suit. <laughs> and uh, it was, it was, I felt bad because it was definitely difficult, but at the same time I needed to get the shots. <laughs> so, right. and again, this, th this whole thing with them being, you know, like the romance being a main thread, this is the man thing movie. It shouldn't mm -hmm. be about a romance between a, a sheriff and a school teacher. Um, I just didn't feel that. And others, others felt that that was essential. I think they were coming off of the idea of what happened with, with uh, Spider-Man, you know, there was Spider-Man and he, the upside down kiss and all that was, you know, so they wanted some component of that. And I was like, but this is a cult horror comic book. Right. It's not Spider-Man. And let's go deep for the fanboys that like, the horror component of this, you know? And uh, I think I could have made it more satisfying without that, that aspect of the, of the film. Um, here we go. We're getting close to the big penultimate thing. And so his character, again, it's not totally clear why his character is so opposed to this. I mean, he's opposed to schist for, but there was all these different subplots with, what schist had done with him and so but then you get some nice you know some nice scope there as we get back and we're moving in through this giant area of the of the swamp and all of those trees were brought in this this was a big i mean this was there's some really tall trees in the background mm -hmm. if you're looking there and it was a major major uh construction piece to you know you, you think about oh we'll bring a bunch of you know 100 foot trees in well every one of those is a crane you got to face it. You got to make sure it's not going to fall on everybody. 
I mean, making a, making a natural environment as a set like this is, is a big deal. And again, Tim Ferrier did a fantastic job with his art direction team uh, to, create, to create the physical reality of this. All of what you're seeing there is not real. Mm-hmm. And I always love that, you know, the idea of shooting on a stage and being able to, you know, create the real world on a stage is, is one of the great fun things of cinema. You know, as, as a director, it was really fun to, to have that control because then I was able to move the camera the way I wanted. It wasn't going to have a handheld sort of documentary feel. It was much more a stylized feel. Yeah. And here you got the man thing twitching its fingers. <laughs> oh, terrifying presence. Yeah, it's just, and then uh, this is this is where we we went we went handheld for a bit. We we took them into this this sort of dark tunnel, mm-hmm. and I just got in there with a handheld camera up to my waist in water, and all of this stuff was shot just handheld with them with flashlights, wondering where the man thing is going to jump out at any given moment. Right. Yeah, and. Uh, it was at the end of a day, so I had to just grab the camera, do it handheld as quickly as possible, and get you know. But it gives a you know a feel of just sort of their panic at that mm-hmm. point. It's one of the more panicky moments in the film, actually. Um, and uh, but it's again, they're you know, they're in a romantic relationship, um, which to me takes away from some of the visceral nature of what this could have been. Um, this is big last. This was for for Steve Bastoni. You know, Jack is a again is like the John Wayne of Australia. So this playing this playing this scene with him was a was a was a big deal for Steve right. because he's he's a Jack is one of the iconic figures of Australian cinema for all these young actors, and uh, still working to this day. He's he's an amazing force. <laughs> oh here now this is a party yeah right here we go <laughs> here we go and we're getting close to getting close to the end here folks um again this was the most elaborate set and the biggest with the biggest trees and the biggest you know rigging because the rigging of everything was pretty complex here and there's supposed to be this kind of like romantic thing between him and the, and her as well, you know, that was sort of hinted at, which never really fully developed. Um, and uh, this gives a little hint of where I wanted this to go, which I'll, I'll, I will tell you all what the, the ending I wanted, um, which was more connected to the idea of the man thing as this vengeful nature spirit that was going to be taking the revenge for humankind pumping things out of its guts, you know, the, 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 uh, the blood of the mother coming out of mother earth was what the man thing was, was being a vengeful spirit of. And, uh, there you go. Whoa. Right up through the, Mm. And this is again, you know, cables and rigging. This is a very, and that's yeah, where the man thing is actually walking with him there. That was one gracious. of the big shots. Yeah, you can see how big that guy is. I mean, he, he was, you know, 
then you got the pumping of the oil. So we, we're trying to, you know, use all the modalities of the mm -hmm. themes of, you know, the environmental mm. nature of the themes. <laughs> the black stuff coming out of his mouth. Jack did a great job here. Woo! <laughs> that suit looks so good. Yeah, that's, that's, I love that. That's really fun. I'm into it. Bam. That, that was a stuntman, of course, not Jack for him. <laughs> um, here he comes. Yeah. And so what I wanted to happen is the man thing kills everyone, including the protagonists. Just like he, he killed Rivera Peratini's character, who was most mystically connected to him. Basically, if you're a human, nature is going to take you out. Nature has no, if nature is seeking its revenge, you're fucked. Mm -hmm. And the the ending of the film, opposed to the last scene, which we'll we'll look at very soon here, um, it's a very cliched ending. Was going to be the man thing being triumphant in nature and being literally the he you know the hero slash antihero of the film, because really all these other people are basically doing shit that's not really in line with Mother Nature and not in line with the with the indigenous spirits of the swamp. And all the look, get some big explosive effects here and digital explosive effects integration. That's a, that's one of my favorite shots. That's very, I think that feels very much like the comic book feeling of yeah, uh, that thing. I love that it's way in the distance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and here we go. The big explosion happens, but our lovers are still okay. <laughs> Not what I wanted. Folks, I just want you to know, wouldn't it be better if the man thing just like obliterated everybody and just was triumphant at the end? It was, and the movie's called Man Thing. You know, it's not, it's not about, you know, the romantic aspirations of a sheriff and a school teacher. Um, just, I felt that was a genre push. That's a cool shot too, right it there. Is. Yeah, just the full suit being revealed and... Again, so the idea here was like, okay, he looks, he sees it's been blown up, and that's enough for him, right. you know? Um, again, visually, I love the, the look of the creature here. Um, and this is very much like Peter Pound's conceptual drawings. Uh, these are all very, you know, digital hybrid slash physical effects shots. And... Uh, One thing that is different, it, it's almost yeah. like he's wearing a crown. You know, he's the, he's yeah. the king of nature. Exactly, he's the, he's the king of nature. Exactly, and that and that that environmental aspect. Of, you know, but again, them just sitting there, he doesn't do anything to them. They just sit there, hold each other, and watch him. I just didn't think that that was strong at all. And then what's coming up here is, I mean, I love this. You know, these visuals of him sinking mm -hmm. back into the swamp. But I would want him to have been triumphant, sink back in the swamp, roll credits, right? Not, and now. What we do is we have the final theme of the film, you know, and then we pull back while they kiss. Oh my God. Could it be more of a hoary cliche? <laughs> it could not be. And I really oppose this and I won't name the names that insisted on it, but there were people that insisted on it um, and wanted them to kiss at the end. And I just thought it's a movie called man thing. <laughs> 
it's a swamp creature. I just wanted to be more organic to the swamp creature themes. And I think, I, I believe the fanboys of this genre and of this would have enjoyed that more than, you know, the, these two protagonists being okay at the end, which is for no good reason, really. I mean, they haven't really helped the man thing any, you know, there's not, it hasn't been an arc there of that. So um, that's the most disappointing aspect. And, and the one aspect uh, I've learned as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. last 10 minutes of your movie and how it ends, that's pretty much what people remember when they leave the theater. So you've got to have an ending that lands. Um, and when I've had any that landed, it's a much more satisfying experience than when I've had endings that don't quite land like this. So, right, right. but, uh, but the, you know, the look and feel of all those things, I mean, this is Greg, I haven't, again, I haven't watched the film for a number of years and I was really, really pleased to see how the, the visuals are holding up. Totally. Absolutely. How, uh, I mean, is there, uh, not the potential, but I mean, how much of the movie did you reveal? Was was there some of that ending you wanted actually filmed? Or, or no, 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 no. It was all changed in the script phase. Mm-hmm. We added one script and then it got shifted to a completely other script right before we started shooting, which is a strange thing to happen, kind of, you know. It was, uh, and it happened, pr- you know, part of why it happened was because of the nature of what happened with, the Hulk. And, you know, people, look, people responding to market forces and what happens with it. I mean, I understand. It's not like there's any, you know, any bad guy, really. It's just that's that's what happened there. And, and I wish I would have fought more for my version of the film. And, you know, Scott Carroll, really, we, we were both, you know, wanting this other version of the film. He was one of the primary producers. And James Coyne did a lot of the writing with Hans Rodenoff. And uh, James Coyne didn't get credited for his writing uh, on it. Um, but uh, he's gone on to write some significant pieces and be a, a produced screenwriter. And so a lot of people in this, you know, went on to do some great things and it was really fun to come together with them uh, to make this, this movie that I think is, you know, for a swamp creature movie, I, I think the swamp creature in this film really delivers Absolutely. as a visual, as a visual, you know, and, and, and some of the, the crazy nature violence really delivers, you know, as a, as a horror component. Um, with all the prosthetic work and and uh, so I'm very proud of that. So there's a lot of aspects and all the relationships I, I uh, enjoyed during the film and the people and the family, the Australian family I got to know and, and actually live among for five years of my life uh, was fantastic. It was a fantastic and it all was because Russell got me over to Australia and I fell in love with the place. So Look at that. There you go. There, there you go. You can't ask for much more. Bravo. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Bravo. No, man. It's a, it's a, it's a class. It's a Marvel B-movie classic. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Thanks, man. Well, thank, thanks so much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And, and uh, um, it's been fun to reminisce and to watch the film again.